March is Music in Our Schools Month. It is also typically the month when PMEA goes to Harrisburg to advocate for music education. Obviously, we can't do that this year, but we will still be doing all of those things virtually. Join us today as we talk to Pennsylvania State Representative Eddie Dapashinsky about the importance of music and advocating for music education. And we'll also talk to you about how you can join in that advocacy work. I'm Mark Despotakis, and that's what's happening on today's PMEA's Take Note podcast, presented by the Slippery Rock University Music Department. Okay, hello everyone and welcome to this edition of uh, Take Note Podcast. Uh, Great one for you today. I'm really excited about this. Uh, Joining us uh, today is Pennsylvania State Representative Eddie Day Pashinsky, representing the 121st District uh, in Luzerne County. been a great friend of PMEA over the years. Uh, and there's a little bit of a backstory as to why that is. So we're gonna, we're gonna talk about that today. Representative Pazinski, thank you so much for joining us. Well, Mark, thank you very much for having, having me. I always look forward to seeing you. I, it's unfortunate that we're not in the Capitol where we can celebrate music in our schools month. You know, we do the resolution. I get a chance to see all of you. Uh, it brings back so many great memories uh, in my life. PMEA played a major role, you know, as a, as a teacher. I was a music teacher at Greater Nanny Cook area and the choral director. So I was involved uh, from the get-go with PMEA and uh, ended up being the uh, president of the region and uh, going through all our all-state, all-eastern performances and so on. So just a, a lot of wonderful memories. So it, it, it proves to everybody he's one of us, right? And uh, he, he's, yeah. he's moved on to the legislature. So we have a voice there, which uh, is fantastic. So let's talk a little bit about that background. Before we get to, to, to your current life, let's, you know, as I say, talk about your previous life in a sense. Uh, give us kind of your musical background from, you know, how you worked into music ed, but also you have a performing side here that's been part of your life and yeah. still is. I'll tell you what, life is truly remarkable. Uh, I always tell the students, you know, every time you make a decision, it's like coming to a Y in the road. You can go left or go right. Uh, I think maybe uh, for the folks that are listening now, uh, when I was a kid, I I learned how to play piano, started playing piano at, you know, seven and eight years old. Uh, I also performed in the choir. I tried to start start a rock band when I was about a sophomore or junior in high school. Um, but the, the key element uh, that made me uh, turn my life into music as a career was the year uh, that I uh, was accepted at Wilkes University as a math major. The summer before that, I worked as a dishwasher, uh, dish and pot washer at the Fred Waring Music Workshop, Shawnee on the Delaware. And I, for those that may not know this, um, that uh, he had the Pennsylvanians, which was an adult male choir that traveled all over the United States and performed, and they were excellent. They even went internationally. And uh, there, at the end of my day washing dishes, I would hang out with some of the students. It was a, it was a uh, summer camp for kids involved in music. And uh, one day I, I got to be very good friends with a lot of the kids, and they said, you know, you, you should try out for the Pennsylvanians. You like it so much. 
So I tried out and I'll never forget the, um, uh, the assistant director said to me, look kid, you got a good voice, but uh, if you really want to make music a career, you have got to study it. That statement, that issue, I called Wilkes. I said, could I change my music from math? Could I change my major from math to music? I had to audition. Okay, I auditioned. I was accepted as a math, as a music major. That started my career. How did that do it? Get ready now. I'm in the cafeteria of Wilkes University. And back in those days, you know, when you were a freshman, a frosh, you had to wear one of those beanies. Remember those okay. beanies with the W on it? I'm in the cafeteria and the senior says, okay, frosh, sing the alma mater. Okay, I sing the alma mater. In the cafeteria is a guy by the name of Eddie Ladamas. Eddie Ladamas is a friend of Bob Gardner. Now, who the heck are all these people? Bob Gardner is the sax player. He's a student at Wilkes, but he's a sax player for a group called the Starfires. Comes up to me, says, hey, do you want to join a rock band? I said, what do I have to do? He said, you got to audition. So <laughs> we go out to a garage in Orange, Pennsylvania. I audition. Now I become a member of the Starfires. These are all key points. That's how the name Eddie Day came about. That became my stage name. So it was Eddie Day and the Nighttimers, and then it was Eddie Day and TNT. That, that whole thing helped me pay for my college. We became extremely popular. Uh, we performed all over the region. Then I get the job at Nanny Coke. I'm now the choral director there, and I'm also this rock guy. So I, I worked very hard to, to reinvigorate the choir. They didn't have the choir when I came in there. Um, and uh, I started with the senior high choir. We developed a great choir. Then we hired a couple more folks. I started the elementary choir, then the junior high choir. I had literally hundreds, I mean, hundreds of kids in my choirs. Uh, we put on great programs, variety shows and so on. And that led me into, of course, PMEA, into the competitions with district, region, state, all Eastern. So in the meantime, all of that's going on. I'm still performing. I'm operating dance halls and I'm managing bands. Mm. So that whole music career took a, uh, um, a place in my life that if I was that math major, I don't know who I would have become, but it's amazing how that dishwashing job led to everything else. And now here I am as a state rep. That was also not in my plans. And there's certainly not enough time <laughs> to tell you how all of these things go, but uh, I can tell you that the, the rock image uh, helped me inspire more kids to join the choir, more kids to be involved in music. And here in Northeastern Pennsylvania, we had outstanding musicians, uh, a lot of wonderful rock groups that really uh, played some great music. So that whole scene helped me transition um, into successful choirs and, uh, you know, Nanny Coke, uh, we had a lot of all staters and, and districts and regionals, and it was just a, a wonderful experience for me and, and of course the kids. And then I get to see some of my, my students who now are music teachers and carrying on that tradition. So it's really uplifting. So you're still involved in music as far as performance goes, uh, right? I mean, you're still doing this on some level. I mean, probably more pre-pandemic than now, but, but it's still part of your life. 
it, it is truly amazing, really remarkable. Now, a good 20 years ago, um, the dance hall that I got my start at, which was Hanson's Park, Harvey's Lake, uh, they started to start the dances again. By that time, I had retired from my rock group. I just, I booked bands and then I was basically a teacher and, and worked with PSCA and, and PMEA. And um, they invited me to perform at one of the dances. I practiced with the band. We did a 45 minute set. We drew a sold out house. And because of that, that invigorated the dance scene again, because what uh, the folks may not realize, Sansui, Hanson's Park, Sandy Beach, and then St. John's, all of these different dance halls or schools, we used to draw a thousand kids every Friday night, every Saturday night, it was the thing to do. So after uh, we, I, we had this huge crowd, the, the people started talking, you know, geez, we'd love to see the rest of the guys. This would be great. And by happenstance, uh, one of the, the guys called me, uh, Roger Griffith, the bass player, he was in town and we started talking about reorganizing the band again. We came together at Joe's Grotto out at Hanson's Park, had pizza and enjoyed seeing one another, put the band back together, rehearsed our tail off. And then for the last 15 years, other than last year, we had to cancel everything last year. We would do special occasions. Those reunion dances where we would draw that packed house. Um, as I told you, Kirby Park, 25,000 people, um, other kinds of events like that. It is so rewarding. If you'd have told me at my age that I was back together with the same guys I started with in the 60s, I'd say, you know, you're smoking something. But it was absolutely fantastic. And again, music has just been a highlight for my life and my kids. Uh, there was a point where I, my, my three daughters and my son, they all can sing great. I put my three girls on stage with me. I call them the dayettes and we performed any day in the dayettes, just a blast. <laughs> you know, my kids still uh, enjoy that, those uh, conversations. And we have some tapes on it too, so it's a blast. I love it. I mean, it's, that's, you, that's the perfect public service announcement for lifelong music making. And I just Absolutely. love how you speak to the connections too. These are folks that you were with, you know, how many 40 years ago, whatever it is. And now here you are back with them. I think that's <laughs> longer that's, than that. <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, okay. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I know you said it's a, it's a long winding story cause we all have it, but I'm curious for how did this uh, life in music and music education lead you into the state legislature? Well, the popularity of the name Eddie Day and TNT or Eddie Day and the Nighttimers. Um, I can't tell you how many people used to come to those dances that knew me, that uh, we developed friendships. And uh, over the years, uh, the, you know, the things that I did civically and so on, uh, it helped reinforce the opportunity for me to run as a state rep. I am in the office of the former state representative, Kevin Blom. In this very office, I was in there lobbying him about the rising cost of healthcare. And I said to him, you know, the state has to do something. People cannot afford this. This is getting out of control. Kevin Blom gave me a manila envelope and said, Eddie, take this envelope. I want you to consider this. I said, what's in there? He said, these are the petitions 
for the office of state rep for this district. I said, what do you mean? He says, I'm not gonna run anymore. He said, I think you have a chance to win. Consider it. I went back home. I was, I was shocked because I, I never thought about running for state rep. And I'll never forget, you know, I went to my wife and I said, you know, I talked to Kevin and told her the story. And uh, I'll never forget what she said to me. She said, well, you might as well give it a try. Because if you win, you'll, you'll have a, a much larger stage to make the case about healthcare. And she said, because if you, if you don't do this, you're going to be like Don Quixote working all over the place for nothing, trying to get people on board, you know, with your healthcare plan. And she was so right, because now I do have a, a larger stage for me to make the case, not just about healthcare, but about, about music, about education, about uh, jobs and, and about safety and so on. So it's truly an honor to serve, Mark. I mean that sincerely. Um, I, I took an oath to serve the people, follow the constitution, and uh, it is very, very um, important to me. I'm extremely respectful of it. And, and that's why I'm so excited anytime I can help out anywhere, especially with the folks that in the music um, scene that I, I most truly appreciate and I know and I value, you know, what music does for our lives, whether you're a performer or not, you know, the importance of music and theater and art, um, it, it touches all of us. And too often, you know, the arts is always played down as maybe not something very important. Let me tell you something. If there's one thing the pandemic taught us is that we all need each other in order to live, whether it's the person picking the food, whether it's the person processing the food, whether it's the person driving the bus, whether it's the person cleaning the air, we need everybody. So nobody's more important or less important. If we all work together, we all rise together. So it, it's, it's been a, a, an uplifting experience for me and, and an honor. And I, and I respect the people who put me here. Uh, so that's, maybe great, I could draw that, you know. Uh, yeah, connection. that's a great story. I did not know the, the background of how you got into, uh, into being in state office. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, and we appreciate the voice that you have there uh, and what you do to help elevate uh, arts education and music education. One of the things that you, you do uh, every year for us is provide a resolution uh, proclaiming music in our schools month. And uh, I guess, you know, some people might say, okay, it's just a piece of paper, but uh, I think it's more than that. And I'd like you, you know, to kind of mention that, you know, talk about that, that, that there is a value in something like this because this is bringing attention to music in our schools to your colleagues who are really the decision makers in this state. Yes, uh, again, it's a way to uh, elevate the conscience of everyone to realize that music is absolutely vital and totally important to all our lives. Whether you're someone who just listens to it to relax, or whether you're someone who actually performs it. And the resolution is an official way to say that music is important. That's why we have uh, Music in Our Schools Month. Uh, I also started uh, 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 as a music teacher and uh, I'm going to be, uh, you know, this will give you an idea how long ago it was. But when I was a music teacher, you didn't have a music room. Mm -hmm. I had to teach music in the cellar or I had to teach music in a gymnasium 
or wherever there was a room that was available. And then we all began to learn, hey, life is more than the three arts, you know, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Wait a minute, the arts do play a major role. And as, as we have seen over the decades, music has become, you know, a vital part of, of our industry, but also a vital part of our economics. You know, New York City is a perfect example of that. The theaters, the performances are just absolutely astonishing. And the talent is incredible. So that resolution, that citation that we put together is there to say, look, music is important. It deserves its own room, not no longer the cellar, no longer the, you know, the, the gymnasium. This is where kids can grow. This is where kids can uh, develop a very healthy mind so that when they are stressed out, they can use that music to make them relax and so on. It can inspire them. How do we feel every time we sing the Star Spangled Banner? We stand, put our hand over our heart. What does that mean? What does it mean when we hear that fight song of that school? Mm -hmm. What does it mean when we hear our favorite rock song or that song that we love to dance? Music is a part of all of us. And it's a way to say it's important. So as it relates to music education then, and, and kind of education in general, we are at this point in time now because of the pandemic that, you know, education is now in the headlines, right? So it was, it was kind of always there, but pre-pandemic, it was, you know, maybe on page five of the newspaper. It's front page news, right? And because education is so key to getting us back open. There's lots of talk of money from the federal government and potentially from the state level. Um, we look at that and say exactly what you're saying. Okay, so as a school district, you have to then say, all right, we have this money, we have to make some choices with it. What is good for students? And of course we believe music and arts are good uh, for students. Um, but the step before that, of course, is making sure the money gets to those school districts. And that, that's always been a priority of what PMEA does. Um, I'm curious for your thoughts as someone who is one of those decision makers, who was on the receiving end of a lot of advocacy work from a, I'm sure, a completely wide variety of groups from all perspectives. Um, if you could speak to the value of though doing that advocacy work, because some people might be at home and say, what's, what's my one voice going to do? Um, if you could talk about what their one voice really can do. Oh, listen, it starts with the one voice and then you and I are two voices and then we know two more. And before you know it, it is a consensus. That's what the whole purpose of voting is of by and for the people, we the people elect guys like me to represent them. And if I'm not resent, representing them properly, they're gonna vote somebody else in and me out. So everyone has a role to play. But the, the, the thing about, um, uh, you know, your question about, you know, uh, what is the importance what was that question? I'm sorry again. Well, I, I, guess, I, I guess the essence of what I'm asking here is, you know, why should people get involved? Why should they, you know, take off that hat of being so skeptical about what government does and get involved and say, I'm going to put a stake in the ground and say, this is important to me. And I'm going to tell okay. my representatives that. That, and again, that's been lost. A lot of people say, what's my one vote? It doesn't mean anything. That's not true. Your one vote does mean a lot. 
Number one, you talked about uh, money. I believe this new uh, $1.9 trillion that Biden put out, that money's, there's definitely money coming to the schools. Mm -hmm. And the point that I wanted to make is, I am always looking for and use the terms fair and balanced. And this is what I'm referring to. The public school was designed, and it's part of our constitution, to give every kid a chance for a free quality education. That's the purpose of public schools. And they have to be funded at a level that they can then provide that education. The schools, because of this pandemic, have now definitely demonstrated it's more than reading, writing, and arithmetic. We feed your children. We babysit your children so that you can go to work and know that your children are safe and taken care of. We educate your children. We not just of book learning, but how to work with each other, how to solve problems, how to deal with the challenges that are before us. So public education is the main focal point. This does not mean that private schools are, are any less. People have a choice. You wanna send your children to a religious school, a private school, a charter school, that is your choice. Those are your children, you're trying to do the best for them. But let me be clear, I'm looking for fair and balanced. And when it comes to fair and balanced, it's always about money too. I'm looking to make sure we are providing the quality public school because that is our constitutional obligation to make sure that all the kids that come to public school get what they need. The charter schools, they have their purpose. The private schools have their purpose. The religious schools have their purpose. So I'm always looking for that balance. I will also say this, in any government, there's never enough money for all of the things that are necessary. So that's why you're always trying to balance those dollars out and trying to help as many people as you can. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, I, you know, absolutely, it, it does. And I, I, I think that, 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 you know, that that speaks to the, the purpose of folks need to be, be uh, willing to talk to their representatives and say, here's where I'm coming from, but then also do exactly what you're saying. Realize that we are not the only issue. There's lots of issues out there um, and there needs to be find a way that we're making things work for everyone. So I think that that's, uh, I really appreciate and, your point there. Yeah, and let's take it one step further. Don't forget who elects the school board, the right. people of that community, they're there to represent them. So if the people are silent, then the board does whatever it wants. If the people are silent, then the state does whatever it wants or the national government does, does whatever it wants. And who else has the ear of the national government or state government? Lobbyists, people with penyinza, money. That influence then drives certain legislation. That's why the people have to take a role. They have to put time into it not just the vote, search for the truth, search for the answers, go to sources that you can trust. Don't just listen to the internet. Don't just listen to one news station or one TV station. Search for the news because your future and your children's future is in your hands. And, and I would even make the argument there that, that uh, the school board races and, the, and paying attention to your school board is probably the most important when we're talking education related issues, because yeah. 
from from your perch as a, as a legislative body, right? You're talking about funding, but you're not specifically saying as the state of Pennsylvania, okay, school district XYZ, we're giving you this amount of money and you have to put this much into math and this much in English and this much into music. It's not how it works. That local school district is making that decision. You're just saying, here's the money, go for it. So I think yeah, that's they have important. to manage their own because every school is different. Yeah, right. You're 100% right. Every school has a, a different personality, different needs. By the way, uh, trying to balance the property tax, property taxes, you know, a lot of folks are having difficulty trying to, you know, uh, fund our public schools, because that's how we do it. It's the public dollar, um, as well as state and federal dollars. The federal dollars are well below where it should have been. And our state dollars have been inconsistent uh, based upon funding and need. We have the fair funding formula. I think uh, you've seen what the governor's proposed. If he is able to qualify for that and that passes, then your schools will become far better funded, right. more balanced, so that there's no major burden on a particular property taxpayer because those funds are based upon the needs of that school. Uh, and let me make one other point since we're focused in on that. You know, some uh, you sometimes they just compare test scores. Ladies and gentlemen, it isn't just about the test score. You have certain schools that come from a very affluent part of the community, a geographic area, where moms and dads have money to take their children to New York and to see a Broadway play, take them to the Kirby or to a, a local theater to see a particular musical or a particular rock group or a symphony orchestra, or they have the money to, to give them extra courses, extra reading, take them to the library, expose them to things, take them on trips. These are all learning experiences that elevate the child intellectually. So generally their scores are higher on the SAT or things of that nature. You also have other communities those families don't have the money to be able to expand the children's education. It's focused, they're at home, they're out in the yard, they're in school, they're at home, it's TV. They don't get to see that other exposure. They're not getting that support maybe at home. Therefore, the schools have more kids that they have uh, more needs, more special needs, more special care. And as a result, that costs more. That's a heavier burden on that school. You can't compare their scores to that school that has all of those other uh, intellectual stimuli. You can't compare, but still people do that. And that's based upon misinformation because there's, it's, it's always a matter of me, I need mine, give me mine. And so people are always fighting for that piece of the apple that's gonna help them, which I, 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 I don't uh, deny them of that but let's be realistic, let's be honest. Um, you can't compare just by a test grade, how good a school is doing or the challenges that they have to meet. I represent an affluent area. I represent other schools that uh, have more needs and uh, there's, there's a difference. I visit all those schools and I see what's happening. And again, teaching for all those years, I've, I've experienced it. And every kid's important. I don't care where you come from. Every kid's important. And we've already proven a bazillion times. It doesn't matter what side of the track the kid comes from. They can become that doctor, that scientist, that policeman, that successful businessman. Give them a chance. That's the purpose of public schools.
Right. Absolutely. Uh, I, I am. I'm with you uh, 100% there. And and we can't thank you enough for your voice uh, in the General Assembly, uh, especially when it comes to music and arts related issues. Uh, we, we know that that if there is an issue like that that comes up, uh, your voice will will be there for sure. So Representative Pashinsky, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Mark, for all your good work and, and the work of PMEA. It's vital, and I truly appreciate it. You got my number anytime. <laughs> we appreciate thank that. Thank you. Thank you. So switching gears slightly, we want to talk to you a little bit about how you can get involved in the advocacy work of PMEA during March. So Today, March 16th, is technically our virtual advocacy day. But really this year, it's turned into advocacy over a period of time, up until really the state budget is passed, likely sometime in June of this year. And we're asking you, as we always do, to participate in our advocacy work. And we make it easy for you to do that. If you visit pmea.net, you will see a link that says, take action. That will take you to a form where you will be able to just fill in some basic contact information and the uh, computer system will find your state reps. And, and then what will happen is an email will pop up that is just pre-populated. We've written it for you. You are certainly able to customize that email if you'd like, but it will send right to your members of the General Assembly as well as the governor's office. As you heard in our interview with, with Representative Pashinsky, your voice is so crucial for music education. One voice really can make a difference. So just by you taking the time to send that email, uh, you really are making a difference and, and, and getting the word out to your state representative's office. Now, if you'd like to learn a little bit more about what our policy asks are, a couple things. First of all, again, if you go to pmea.net and you visit the advocacy page, we have posted for you what is known as the 2021 PMEA Policy Playbook. And this spells out all of the policy issues that we are working on. Some of them will be in that email that you send to legislatures today. Others of them uh, are not issues that would definitely uh, directly deal with state legislators, but would uh, be uh, maybe with the Department of Education or other areas that we are working on currently and will be working on throughout the year. So if you're interested in that, you can, you can take a look at that. But we, I wanna tell you a little bit about some of the issues that will be in that email to state legislators, uh, legislatures that you uh, can go to pmea.net today and send. And even if you're listening to this after March 16th, you can still go and send that message. The first one is talking about funding public education and putting money into the basic education subsidy. This is an issue that we come back to every year. Uh, we are supporting uh, putting money into the basic education funding formula, as well as putting some money uh, to allow for the hold harmless clause so that no school district would receive less money than they did in previous years. Uh, hugely important, especially as we see schools reopen and emerge from the pandemic. Additionally, we are asking the General Assembly and the governor to look at charter school funding, specifically the way these public entities are funded from public school districts. There is certainly a place for charter schools in education, and we want to make sure that they are funded appropriately, but also in an equitable way that works both for charter schools 
and for school districts. We are asking all parties involved to come together and find a solution that works for everyone. We are looking at specific legislation. House Bill 191 has been introduced and it calls for students that participate in interscholastic athletics to have the ability to receive physical education credit in high school. We are asking that, that bill is amended so that any student participating in marching band would also be able to receive that credit for a physical education course. Now, the bill as it stands would just authorize school districts to do that. It would be their choice at the local level if they wanted to offer that. But for that to happen, we need this bill first to pass at the state level. As it relates to higher education, the Pennsylvania State System of Higher Education is currently in talks about what a redesign might look like. We are following that very closely and we expect more information to come out on that in April and even into the summer. But before we get to that point, we want to make sure that policymakers understand the value of the PASHI system. So many great music education programs are happening throughout the PASHI system, and we want to make sure that they continue to thrive. In order for that to happen, any redesign needs to certainly take into account the role of music education and music programs in general on each campus. But also, those schools need to be appropriately funded to do what the, the original intent of the PASHI system was, and that is to provide an affordable outlet for higher education for students. And finally, today in the email we are asking you to send to legislators is talk of House Bill 539, which would call for the reinstatement of the Governor's Schools of Excellence. Specifically, we are interested in the reinstatement of the Governor's School for the Arts. Many of you may have been a part of these programs or had students that were a part of these programs. We're looking to find a new way for them to be reinstated that is cost effective. Of course, to find more information on these policy asks and the other things we are working on related to education policy at the state and local level, visit PMEA.net where you will find our 2021 policy playbook. Thank you for joining us for this special edition of PMEA's Take Note podcast presented by the Slippery Rock University Music Department. We thank you for your advocacy and your assistance in advocating for music education for all students in Pennsylvania. We'd also like to thank our sponsors, the Bucknell University Music Department, Lebanon Valley College, and Robert M. Sides Family Music Centers. We'll see you next time.